0: Hubui driving against Lawyer, spin move, looking for options, kicks out to Adige, 10 on the shot clock, Adige driving, Barnheiser, 7 to shoot, Adige for 3, sinks it! This crowd is going wild, Northwestern takes the 2 point lead, 59-57, 135 to go. Here's a length
1: of the court pass, Edie cashes it, lost it, Barry's got it, 9 seconds to go! Piberry protecting the ball, Purdue's back in a foul, and for the first time ever, the Northwestern Wildcats have knocked off the number one team in the country. The improbable season has taken an impossible turn.
0: Northwestern has beat number one.
1: Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give it a quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe.
0: And I'm Eric
1: scouse well, that was a real super Sunday, guys. Um,
0: yeah. Any, anything notable? Have Super Bowl, obviously. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean,
1: you you had a, a big comeback by one team. You know, kind of a last second, you know, holding on.
2: Um, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you guys right now, I'm not. I'm not going to pour it into my beer, but I'm definitely drinking a beer and a shot of whiskey this evening. There you go, Ada <laughs> boy. There we go.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, it's like. I don't care what the rest of the world was thinking this weekend is about Northwestern beating the number one basketball team in the country and everything else is secondary to that. Um, It was, it was crazy. I mean, we barely even know where to begin to get at this. I think it's going to be a little bit, I mean, it's going to be a lot of the game, all the ins and outs of the game, everything that happened and then a whole separate section about Sam and I's experience at the game. <laughs> let's, yeah. Can
2: we start with where we were last time we potted? Because I think I think I mean a couple of things that we quipped about. One, like, wow, well, let's see if Northwestern can beat Ohio State and you know, finish this this like precursor to, to getting the big three at home starting with Purdue followed by Indiana and then Iowa. Right. Um, Right. And we talked about like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it just be the thing, you know, classic big 10 this year, classic Northwestern this year to knock off number one Purdue. Um, And then coming, coming off that. So that was the last time we talked and then on the pod and then coming off the Ohio state game, we were all looking at each other uh, digitally and, and saying, oh, shit, it's going to be lit on Sunday,
0: isn't it? And then
2: n- – And not was o- it
0: ever lit on Sunday? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. I'm Again, like, I'm still trying to process that this all happened. And um, you were there. <laughs> and yeah. in front I mean, and center, my friend. I mean <laughs> especially because we were there. I mean Sam and I – if you saw the videos – that we put up, you have an idea of, of kind of where we were and there's a, a large backstory to that. And we'll get into all of that, but for now dovetailing on what you were saying, because I think you're absolutely right. And I think the Ohio state game, I mean, obviously it being a big win, but there were certain ways in which the door was cracked open in that game in a way that we've been wanting it to be that gave us a lot of um, I think that had a lot of people really buoyed heading into the Purdue game. B-
2: bu- buoyed, buoyed. Well, buoyed. <laughs> first of all, I mean,
0: he's the fact that he has been. I think even as the team has had its up and down moments, especially during that five game, that five game stretch, that crazy jammed five game stretch, where you know when we were talking about tired legs at the back end and everything. Boo really never flagged. His excellence has been unbelievable. The attack, attack, attack mentality. I think is something I mean honestly I was you know I was thinking about this I was like 2 years ago in this game Boo jacks who knows how many threes in this game yeah Boo is like the defense is crazy tough there's a 7-4 guy in the middle I like me this 20 footer I'm going to take it right um and in this game it was just attack 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 from him get into the lane, get into the lane. And that's how he's been all season. And it's been this massive constant on offense. It,
2: it, it, it's a tale of two halves for Bowie this season. Um, so, so first and foremost, he has not had like a, like a bad game per se since Rutgers. Um. he only scored 13 and he was four of 10, 40% from the field against Wisconsin and uh, a little rough from three, but, I mean that's you know it's such a defensive oriented team that really focused on shutting him down uh, against Rutgers back at the beginning of January. Thirty percent from the field, only thirteen points. Um, had twenty six against IU the week the, the game prior to that, and then was just like like fifteen percent, twenty percent, thirty three percent, thirty one percent, twenty six percent were kind of the lows. You know, yes forty percent is against Michigan, forty percent against Pitt, but like had some real rough rough stuff um in that first half half of the season and he has been just dynamite and consistent but like I, like i mentioned that the Wisconsin game is the lowest percentage from the field of a 40 at 45% against Purdue last night uh roughly 45 or 46% against Minnesota Wisconsin Michigan like and and he's been scoring in in 22 20 17 21 like he's been putting up close to 20 points a night um for the last like 10 games he has been consistent. He has been excellent. Um, and to your point, John, the the attack mode, like when he when he took Edie. Right. Drove on Edie and then reverse layup to to get the rim protection, et cetera. Like that was just like the textbook thing that you do against that type of player. And he executed executed it to perfection from from the hesitation to the finish. And it just like he is yeah, dialed means- in right now. He, it, just, he had a couple uh, of, like
0: beautiful teardrops over Edie as well. I mean, oh, yeah, operating in the lane. He just getting into the lane and getting the high percentage shots, but making those floaters fall and getting to the line. He just, he's, he's going in, he's drawing contact. It's all the things you want from your garden. I mean, just, he's hitting, he's hitting his
2: free throws too, which has not been a gimme right. for Northwestern and not been a gimme for Boo uh, right. back earlier in the season.
0: Right. So, I mean, you're seeing just the apex version of what he can be. And so on that hand, you have your main offensive bell cow just being delivering in that place. But then so much of what we've talked about is the fact that this has been such a two-team show, right? And whether it be these be a two two, a, two just, a two-man show? A two-man show, right, running the offense, right? That it's, it's Booer Ad- and Adiz or it's not at all. And I think there's been this evolution really over the last three games where three games ago we saw the emergence of Barnheiser, right? And him pulling that eight and seven and our feeling that like, oh, at the end of that game, you know, he was really emerging and then it's kind of felt like he got frozen out a little bit because of the traditional way Northwestern has done things. And it was kind of like, in that sense, we almost felt a little lucky to escape that Wisconsin win, even though the team played such good defense. If I could Um, make
2: bear noises right now, I would make bear noises right now, but I don't know how to do that.
0: (laughs) Right. And that's the thing, because in the Ohio State game, Everything we wanted, we got. He's got these and, claws, man. Right, and that's the yeah, thing. So in, yeah. the, in the larger sense, Barnheiser just exploded, and we all saw He absolutely went off. Well, well was and he was, when he
2: was featured in the offense, right? Like, like they were intentionally right. leveraging him in the way that you had been calling for three games prior.
0: Right, but then there's the quieter thing, too, because I, I really wanted to – highlight this because it it takes us to such an important point in this game is everyone knows chase has been really cold for like three or four games right but quietly in that run and in the ohio state game is where it really started his volume tailed a little bit and he was starting to say, "Look, someone else is is able to carry this load. The team can carry the load. Barnheiser can carry the load. I don't have to jack, turnaround fadeaways to make this whole thing work. I can, you know, I'm going to try to find the best shots I can." And then we, I, I know, think
2: it was just to jump. I think he's so much better when he's off ball, and 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 finding finding spaces and getting open like he was in this game to shoot open threes yes a lot of them did not go down early but um well they went they well, went and down they when it go, counted
0: oh yeah and well and they didn't go down last game either and it started to become this thing all of a sudden where karmically we're all going all right chase is only taking good shots here yeah. like he's he's not forcing anymore he's looking and then they're just not dropping it, and we're all going like what the hell Like, this guy's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. He's the best defensive player in the country. He's deferring. He's not forcing the bad shots. And that rolled right into this game. Because you saw in this game, I mean, you were... It was one of those things where it's like, Barnheiser continued to play really well, but then everyone else was stepping up, right? I mean, it was like, Barry was stepping up offensively like Nicholson. But the problem was... They were all getting these great open looks at threes and just clanging them. And they weren't like bad shots. They weren't contested shots. But particularly with Adige, we're all going like, oh my God, all we've been saying to this guy for this entire stretch is like, stop forcing the bad shots, take the good shots. And now he's taking nothing but good shots. And you're not karmically rewarding him with the buckets that he deserves, (laughs) which did not happen right up until it did well so just he got everything he
2: deserved just by way of you know so obviously you guys were there i was not i was i was at home there were 13 kids running around in my backyard my dad was in town i wasn't actually watching the game like we turned it on i turned it on at halftime mostly so that my dad could sit and watch it and i was paying attention to the score while i was uh pitching wiffle balls out back and then i noticed i don't know like probably halfway through the second half i was like this game is only six points. I need to get in and watch this. And right when I right when I came inside, my dad meant like I watched Chase clang two, you know, or clang is the wrong term, but miss two threes like almost simul, almost in a row. And my dad's comment was, "God, he's so close! Like he's had like four rim out just like that. He's like a half inch off." And all I could think about was like, "Man, if like if he just could hit two of these." of of the eight he had missed or whatever at that moment, like it would be a tie game. And then he just came alive. And I think, I really think he hit that one open three from the corner and it felt like finally one drops, but then the steal in the dunk that just yeah. felt like we just dropped rocket fuel into his gas tank. And sure enough, you saw, you saw it down the stretch. He just owned the game and took over.
0: It was. And I mean, they were, and that was the thing, because we were talking about this, and, and again, we will circle back to the experience that Sam and I had at this game, which, again, I'm still wrapping my head around. But we were with Jay Sharman from Lake the Posts and Jay was on very early on in this game, the fact that like we can't buy a three, and if we could buy a three, we'd be winning. Because we're doing so well in this game at every other thing. And that was absolutely true. And then it became so pronounced in the second half. I mean, we were talking about it right before the pod. The numbers are horrifying at the end of this game. We shot four for 22 from three. Um,
2: Briefly to our friends in black and gold, I I texted you guys on Thursday night, I think it was, because they were playing Iowa and they were thumping Iowa. I always make it a little bit of a run toward the end. I said, please, Purdue, like, close this out with, you know, like – like, cl- close this out strongly so that you can come to Evanston on Sunday brimming with confidence.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, again, the, the offense was – and, again, the, the Northwestern was getting good shots. And that was what was so maddening. The offense was moving. It was flowing. Everyone was involved. And with everyone involved, I mean – eight guys played in this game eight wildcats played in this game eight wildcats gave significant contributions from like boo and chase at the top to like i guess you'd say martinelli at the bottom in the eight spot all eight guys gave massively important minutes in this game but the shooting was just off but the defense they forced all oh, the f- defense six, oh my god they forced 16 turnovers and blocked four shots against the number one player in the country. And one thing that I was really struck at watching Purdue is, so, I mean, Matt Painter is a great coach and he knows what he has. And my God, watching Edie in person, I mean, watching a guy, seeing a guy like Matt Nicholson look small is ridiculous. Matt Nicholson is <laughs> 6'11". Um, Edie is just, and they are so creative at their own, Their entire offense is designed to get the ball to him. The entire offense. Anything that they run, if they get an outside shot, it's based off of that. But they're trying to get the ball to him on every play in the low block. And it's unbelievable how they try to do it. It bounces all around. It's this puzzle, right? This combo lock that only they know the combination to. And you're not going to know it until he gets the ball. It's maddeningly hard. And Northwestern, I mean, the job that Nicholson and Verhoeven did in the low block was staggering. It was, I mean, and, and
1: again, we 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 were sitting there watching it, and like we were discussing, like you can't front him because then they'll go over your top. You can't go behind him because then you just they'll feed him. It's and you know he'll have it and be able to get the hook. But what what the cats were doing was the second. The ball came in on him. The double team was there,
0: right? And if they could get a double, real physical with him. right? And it was crazy, right? You would have someone running over for a furious double team, and then this giant thing of musical chairs, because Purdue knows exactly where their bread is butter. Yeah, they, they're they like had ca-
2: they had counters off that up the wazoo.
0: Right, exactly. They're like, we know you're going to do that. We'll kick it back out and rotate it around until it gets to the open man, and he'll shoot a three. And they were killing us with that early. But the D just never let up and never let up. And again, with Edie. It's not a question of, and then he shoots. If they get it to him in the low block one-on-one, it's a bucket every single time. It's ridiculous. The dude has the skyhook. It goes in every single time, or he gets fouled, or he goes to the line. And given that, I mean, again, you're talking about a guy at 24 points. He shot 7 for 10 and 10 for 13 from the line. That's the line of a guy who literally just needed to get the rock to score points, and yeah, the job that they did, shutting him down and hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. And again, it was just like one of those things where it was like we were a little bit behind, a little bit behind. And you brought up the dunk. So we had, I mean, we had literally just tweeted out, right? Like we will literally give anything for a three because these are all good threes. How in God's name are we not making one? And then Chase hit that one and everyone went bananas. And then he got the breakaway dunk. And what I was saying to everybody is, at the moment Chase dunked that ball, it was the equivalent of Cam Green's touchdown catch in the 2018 Big Ten Championship game. It was a moment where you go, well, I guess if I had to bet, I wouldn't bet all the money on the world that we pull this off. But my God, are we in it with the entire world watching And with the longest of odds, and we are right here. And regardless, I'm going to timestamp this moment in my life because I'll always have this moment and I'll always be able to take it with me. And that was kind of where I was at that point, being like, my God, to be in this moment when he just dunked this ball and we are within, I think, what, three at that point? And we're within three and the crowd is going absolutely bananas. Let me just take... And then... That thing. That thing that never happens to Northwestern. And then they did it. And then they went to that next place. Can, and for the next I, two minutes, I, it was just perfection.
2: Can I chime in on your, your 2018 Big Ten championship comp there for a second? Yeah. Because you know what was massively different between that moment and this moment? What? Welsh Ryan Arena.
0: Oh, my yeah. God. Home oh, court. I yeah. guess. and And – like, Sammy and I'm just still stepping.
2: Because John John, you and I were at that Big Ten Championship, and yep. the Northwestern crowd was present and loud and still dramatically outnumbered. And the crowd in Welsh Ryan Arena yesterday was incredible. From the word go, from from hours before the game started, we knew it was going to be lit. Everyone brought everything that they could and I saw a lot of comments on Twitter about this. And this is something that like, I recall this conversation back when I was a freshman at Northwestern in, in 1998 and the Welsh Ryan rowdies wore t-shirts that, that tabbed Welsh Ryan arena as the toughest 94 feet in the big 10. It could absolutely be that in every game. It could be the big 10 equivalent of, of, of Camden arena at, at Duke Cameron indoor arena at Duke. um, Welsh Ryan has always been a described as intimate described as old school. Basically it's the opportunity for a, for rabid Northwestern fans to be on top of the action and intimidating as all hell to the opposition. And when you see the number of turnovers and just like the mental lapses, like the, the throw out of bounds, et cetera, that Purdue had in those last two minutes that like, there's a ninth player that played for Northwestern and it was the crowd. Oh, it was, and they like, they brought it and they were impactful in the game. And I do, I don't think Northwestern pulls that out in that moment in that way, if it's not at home and they don't have that kind of support for coming from the stands.
0: Agreed. And I think Sam, and I'm sure you'll speak to this too. Um, the, there was a vibe in the stadium whereby Literally every friggin' Purdue fan in Chicago came to this game, or came close, right? (laughs) They're like, it's a a basketball powerhouse. Right. It's a basketball school. They have the number one team in the country. They're apeshit. Sam and I were at a bar before the game, and it was probably 90-10 Purdue fans. Um, Yeah. They know what they have, and they're a basketball mad. And it was, to your point, Scuzz, it was... The Northwestern fan base radiating out from the students, realizing we are in a prize fight with them because this is writ large every Northwestern game against a basketball powerhouse in Welsh Ryan Arena ever, except tonight we have the even numbers and maybe we even have more. And there was this, you heard it. Early on, it was almost like a prize fight between the fan bases where Mm -hmm. Purdue would have a run and they would hit a three and their fans would be like, we're going to assert our dominance. And then the students would come right back at them. And it was, it was, I mean, it was insane. And then, right. And it crested in this just absolute ludicrous stretch down, you know, down the end.
1: What was, what was really cool though, is it wasn't necessarily like back and forth, back and forth. It was up and down mm-hmm. up and down because all the Purdue fans are on the upper deck
2: yep yep. And down bo- down
1: on the floor folks folks there's a reason all Northwestern there's yep.
2: a reason we've been pumping you season ticket holders for spare tickets to hand out to Northwestern students these last three or four home games Yep, because it makes an effing difference the players feel it chase chase said it after um, I forget which which home game it was um, three or four weeks ago but like it makes a difference. These guys feel it, and if you've ever been in an athletic like contest where you're running out of gas, and and all of a sudden you've got a thousand people screaming for you, it matters. It pumps your adrenaline. It's a human physiological response. It's undeniable.
0: It was. It was absolutely insane. It was. I mean, I. I mean, like, I suppose this is as good a time as as any to. To pivot into like the the experience that Sam and I had here. I mean, I it this was one of the greatest sporting events, Northwestern sporting events you could possibly be at in terms of. First of all, I don't know the numbers. This is probably probably ranks in the most students who've attended a Northwestern sporting event, and it wasn't football. It's that many. We put up pictures of it. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are. It is whatever your maximum imagination for what an expanded student section could look like. It was basically two of the four sides of the lower bowl, end-to-end packed. It was unreal. And the whole, I mean, and it was totally wall-to-wall fans, absolutely packed. But our experience, so um, to, to... kind of explain how we got to the experience that we had at this game. So you are all aware that Tom Moorhead of the Alumni Club of Chicago did this awesome job putting together this 65 person block of tickets to sell ahead of the game. We did our best to help promote it on the pod and Jay Sharman from Lake the Posts, um, he was working to promote it. He was, you know, he's connected to all of us. And so it was kind of a a joint effort between all of us. But I mean, I want to be clear, Tom Moorhead Alumni Club of Chicago, he set this up, he put the block of seats together, and again, we helped promote it and and get people to buy in, but he did a phenomenal job. But as part of that, um, Jay from Lake the Posts, who was also instrumental in this, was kind of when, and and Northwestern Tickets was like, hey, that was unbelievable, you guys moved these tickets, like, we'd be happy to comp you some, you know, some tickets, etc., and that's kind of Because of that, we were going to have some tickets for this game as well, and we were happy to buy tickets, and to their credit, they offered to do this, and that was great. But as you all are very aware, students and alumni and fans alike, this has been an unprecedented season for the basketball team that has coincided with a lot of overall turnover and flux inside the athletic department, in the leadership of the university, etc., it's a, a kind of a one-of-one situation. I mean, we've all seen what's happened with the systems crashing when the students are trying to buy tickets and all these things, and it's just been unprecedented and crazy, and it's been incredibly messy. This, the, we will say, the university is doing their darndest to work through it. It's just a crazy, messy situation. Well, in this crazy, messy situation, the comp tickets that we were due to get were no longer available. And we found out about that very shortly before this all happened. And it it was a crazy situation. um, And all credit to Jay. Jay was trying to put this fire out and it led to kind of a real crazy situation, you know, less than 48 hours before the start of the game. With all of that said, when I say to you that Northwestern ticketing made this situation right, that is oh the God. understatement of the year. Uh, because, my God, did they make this situation right for us. So the, the what it all led to was um, Jay and Sam and I, we watched the first half of this game – from the second level so from the third level the upper level at a table at the corner of one of the um at the one of the corner court looking down so we had an unobstructed view from an actual table on the upper deck that we could have sat at but in truth it allowed us to stand for the entire first half and watch so when you see our pictures we we weren't sitting at all yeah we we were not sitting at all um looking down and then, so when you see the the photos that we have from above, that's where we were for the first half. So it was fantastic from our perspective. We had a great look looking down on the court. We were able to stand for the whole first half. And then they contacted us in the first half and they were like, we have seats behind the scores table available for you guys for the second half. And Jay was like, so do you want to guys want to go down there for the second half? We were like, <laughs> <laughs> is that a trick? let about trick that question? A Okay. <laughs> So we went down, and and that's where we were sitting. So when you see the video that we were fortunate to be able to take at the end of that game, um, and you know, in the perfect vantage point to be able to film the the students rushing onto the court, that's where we were, and it it elevated to this surreal place because at about two minutes left, Sam and I were looking at each other and being like. This is this is really going to happen. It's it's happening and we are at the epicenter of it. And I don't even it was it was tough to even process. And all we could do was just try to film and take photos and be present in the moment because we were like this is going to be one of the great moments in Northwestern sports history and I you know I can't say anything more than how fortunate and thankful we are to have been where we were. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible, just, like, talking to
1: people after the game and just the fact that we, like, we didn't rush on the court. We 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 stayed back and just kind of took it all in. And it was just incredible. And, like, as, you know, the crowd began to filter out, we were able to just sort of hang out there. And, you know, we, we got a chance to talk with Dave Revson, uh, who called the game uh, for BTN. We, we said, Hey, to Dave Ennett uh, call him the game for uh, uh, WGN? And just like s- Ty Berry came out to do an interview with, uh, with WGN afterwards. And he stayed after for a, a few minutes and, and spoke with us. And just like, everyone just had the sense of like, Oh my God. yeah, What just like this happened. This actually happened. And to be able to just hang out there on the court and, and just take it all in was was special it was just i mean i I don't know how better to describe it it well i
2: i'll I'll describe it this way i don't think i've ever seen so i mean you guys sent me a picture of the two of you with the 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 court rush behind you in in the moments after that game ended and i i don't know that i've ever seen the two of you happy happier um save for your wedding days of course um but like like I mean, that, that moment is like etched in time in that photo, but then I like to, to think about the, the enormity, the enormity of this. I mean, I obviously like 2016, 17 season when they finally broke the ceiling and went and went to the the NCAA tournament was a, was a big deal and it sure as shit seems like they are going to go again this year. But to have to have beaten number one for the first time to take another kind of black mark off of the program for Northwestern Um
1: to beat number one in basketball for the first time ever,
2: the first time ever. Like, like, I, like there have been big, big wins in Northwestern's history. Right. Like, you know, I, on the broadcast, they talked about beating Magic Johnson and Michigan State in what, 79 when they went on to win the title. But there's there's something magical about doing something new that nobody's ever done before. And it, and like, I like this team is going to be able to feed on this um, and focus on this, like the rest, you know, the rest of the way. And I think we all know, like the, 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 the schedule is still really tough. I love how they match up with IU. I hate how they match up with Iowa. Um We'll see how they fare in the big 10 tournament. Like, they could they could have a losing record down the stretch here. I don't think it matters. I think they're in the tournament for the second time ever. It's crazy. This is this isn't an, like and and then what compounds all of it is the fact that coming into this season, literally everyone thought this team would be the worst.
1: Yep. us included. I mean, yeah. absolute mea culpa here. Like we did not think that this was like in nowhere in I, at least I'm not going to speak for you guys, but nowhere in my imagination did I even think this was anywhere close to being possible
0: as Dave Revson said on the broadcast which I which I watched later the only people who didn't have Northwestern 13th in the Big Ten were the people who had them 14th in the Big Ten <laughs> um, and it's I mean well, you know, didn't
2: he say something about like the, the, the impossible has become the improbable I think oh, mean, his it's, call it's, was but it's so it, good
0: well it, it's that's a good place for you to mention right where we started this pod with the three broadcasts in a row um, of Perry Kitai doing the WNUR broadcast and then Mr. Cat, Dave Ennett, and then finishing with Rebson saying, right, the improbable season has taken an impossible turn. And that's one of those things where it's like all these unique things about like, you were talking about the potential of Welsh Ryan, right? Because of like the tight family atmosphere and all that energy and what happens when you harness it like this. It's like Northwestern is such a special place and you have three unbelievable calls of this game to visit and check and enjoy and they're all from northwestern people it's all the northwestern family you have perikita I mean like i, I we we've talked about this many times one of the great things about doing this pod and being able to to make friends and meet different people, is to catch rising stars, you know, within Northwestern and be like, my God, the talent that comes through this place that broadcasts sports and writes about sports and everything. And, and her call is just amazing. Her call of Adijas go-ahead three, her call of the end of the game is fantastic. And then, of course, we all know it and we all know Revzin. And Revzin, of course, is a Northwestern guy, too. And we were able to talk with him after the game and talk with his daughter, who's a Northwestern student after the game. And it was just... it was. So amazing. And Sam talked about the conversation we had with Ty Barry And one of the things Barry said was, he said, yeah, I looked, I looked at Brooks at the end of the game. And I suddenly said, oh, my God, we're about to beat the number one team in the country. And Sam and I kind of had a similar moment with, I don't know, 30 seconds, 25 seconds left, where we just looked at each other and said, oh, my God, I can't believe this is about to happen. And we're standing where we are right now. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was incredible. Um, and you, the other thing that I wanted to mention, and you talked about this expectations for the team coming in, right? Um, the, the, the expectations. And then I think of the students and I had a whole bunch of things swirling through my head in this regard that kind of all interconnect. But obviously the single moment When Adige hit that three, that's one of the great moments in Northwestern sports. It is the sound that that building made when he hit that shot is one of the greatest sounds I've ever heard in my life or will ever hear in my life. The TV broadcast does an awesome job of capturing it and what that was like, but it was just dreams being realized. But if you look at the student section on that video and what we were able to see in person, like, I guess I believe, and again, this is like waxing romantic a little bit, but here we are. We just beat the number one team in the country. Um, The, you look at them, that moment of celebration and you can't reach that level of celebration unless you have suffered. And those students have suffered
2: so as sports
0: true. fans. They have been through it. Those seniors, my God, what they've been through. And again, we've talked about it all. The six, the, four, the three football seasons they endured that were awful, the, the, the irony of a championship they were not able to direct, be directly a part of out, you know, in 2020. And then those three awful basketball seasons. And then to suddenly have this and to have it all culminate in that moment when he and like I kept thinking of when Sergio Aguero hit that shot, scored that goal for Manchester United on the final day of the Premier League when they finally won and the reaction those fans had in the stands, you can only react that way if you've suffered. And just watching those Northwestern fans, that catharsis, that like, oh, my God god it's actually happening for us i'm just i will always being able to see that in person i'll always have that
1: if you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence hire kent Sinsen of the Sinsen law group after over a decade prosecuting murder cases in chicago Sinsen opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases he specializes in car truck motorcycle boat and other transportation accidents as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability and more. Millions recovered for clients, no fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group, compassion, empathy and vigorous advocacy. Go to sinsinlawgroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go cats. I want I want to ask you guys, like where does this stack up in the pantheon of northwestern athletics? I mean, like this is up there in one of the most amazing moments and i'm just trying to like compare it to games i mean i wasn't at 54 51 i wasn't at the michigan game you guys were um i'm thinking of the ohio state win and what was it uh oh three oh four so yeah oh four yeah oh four oh four um you know where where we stormed the court after beating ohio state for the first time um you know a handful of basketball games you know, when I was in undergrad, uh, you know the the atmosphere of like the Bobby Knight "Who's Your Daddy" game, but like this. But we
2: lost, We got smoked in that game. We did. <laughs> we did get smoked in that um, game. I like this. Like it. Like it. I, obviously, the 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 first comp that comes to mind is um, Tap horn to pardon to beat Michigan sure. to kind of seal the the first tournament bid back in twenty spring of twenty seventeen, right?
1: The, the, yes, and, and take nothing away from that, Michigan and Northwestern were evenly matched. Yes. Like that, this, that, game, that game was you know, going to overtime. If they didn't get it, it could have gone either way. This is an unranked Northwestern team going up against the number one team in the country. Well, well I was just
2: going to say, for some reason, as, as momentous a moment, I mean, that was the biggest moment in Northwestern basketball history to date. This yeah. feels bigger than that for some reason. And I I think, you know, you just articulated some of the, some of the rationale why.
0: Yeah. So I, you know, it's funny, Sam, you were, when you intro this question, what I was thinking about is the question posed by the other person we were fortunate to hang out with a little bit after the game, Lauren Withrow, who were, I mean, I mean, we love Lauren. I mean, I Northwestern could not have picked a better person to be doing the in-game promotions and the coach interviews and everything Lauren does. If you watch her on film, she is exactly that way when you talk to her in person. Just so fun, so excited about the program and everything. And it's just, we, you know, obviously you guys know we were fortunate enough to have her like come and interview us at our tailgate a couple years ago. And so anytime we have a chance, so we were fortunate to talk with her on the court after the game. And she posed the question, is this the best Evanston home moment for Northwestern? And the instinct, obviously, for all of us, this is to say no, and that's probably true. But it does get you thinking. Okay, so what are the other great in Evanston moments? You have the Michigan game, right? I mean, the the Michigan game going back to was it the Rose Bowl year or the Citrus Bowl year? The
1: the 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 Citrus the Bowl citrus year, 1716. Uh, the Brian Goins field goal right. that he had to hit twice. Right. Yeah, the two field goals. Yeah. Whistle. Right. So you've yeah, got that, that. That
0: was my that, my freshman. Exactly. Year, so I. So Sammy's freshman year, you got that. You've got 54 51, obviously. You've got Ohio State. Um, you've got part of, to Pardon, as Gus said, you've got this, right? I mean, and it's it's a it's a small, tight group of of events. and it, it really is. It's that small group. I think one of the things I think about is you look and you're like, again, how many of those, most of those big things involve a big opponent? And involving a big opponent means involving that big opponent's fan base, which is another way of saying in 96, there were a ton of Michigan fans. In 04, there were... I mean, there were Michigan fans, but uh, this was right after the
1: Rose Bowl. I mean, that, that stadium was jam-packed with purple.
0: Right. So, I mean, and it's... Oh, well, that's
2: true, too. You got like... What so, was that's that? a special... well, What was that Michigan team ranked in 96.
0: Oh, I I don't know. I would have to look that up. We've got well, you know, I'm, Ohio State I'm, was t- certainly top ten. They were like what fifth or they sixth? they
2: were they were number six or something like that. Yeah,
0: and of course, so they're you know they're bringing so many, and even that Michigan. I mean, it's like here this was a packed, partisan Northwestern crowd, and I mean, so you had all that and just that giant explosion, and to our point about the the. Knockdown, down drag out fight. The fan bases were having Northwestern was KOing Purdue at the end of that. And it was like, so you had this, this fan base asserting its dominance and its numbers um, in that game. And, and it was massive, but the, so, so, so Michigan, was that question,
1: num- Michigan was ranked
0: number six. Yeah, okay. they were
1: number six. And we were, and we were 22.
2: And, and um, Ohio state was relatively highly ranked in 90 uh, in 2004 as well. Like so for so for my money, it's it's like fifty four fifty one is far like I like I don't I can't conceive of something that would top that, and and part of the rationale is just the sport difference, right? Like to knock off a behemoth in football is a is a higher order of operations than knocking off a behemoth in basketball, in my perspective, and and some of that is just because it's twenty two. Players versus eight or five, you know. Um there's so much more that can go wrong in a football game. Um you get so many few so many so many fewer bites at the scoring apple. Um I just think like as improbable as this victory over Purdue was, we were joking about it ahead of time as like, oh, wouldn't that wouldn't that be big like 2023 Big Ten basketball for you, right? Like as crazy as the season is for Purdue to drop one at Northwestern inexplicably. Right. Like, and and like the the Michigan North, Michigan Northwestern in, in 2000 was well absurd that we had a chance to compete with that level of talent. I mean, it changed, it changed the, it changed the the direction of offense in college, college football. Well, so this game's not going to do that for, for basketball.
0: Well, I, so like, I believe that I guess like to me, I that's the point of comparison for me because you're right about that. But I go to 54-51 because I'm like, you had a program that was cresting where it's like Northwestern had done unbelievable things that season as they'd done unbelievable things this season, very much in the face of anyone's expectation, just enough to get to the point where people are like, wow, they might be in this game. They might actually be able to be in this game and kind of in that game, where, again, Scuzz and I, I mean, I am i am so fortunate to be able to say that I attended both that game and this game. And the the idea of very much, like, just to be there, just to be, just to have a piece of that magic. That's what, held this basketball game, that's what the opening ceremony felt like for this basketball game. That's what the anthem <laughs> felt like for this game. We were like, my God. Just to say, if they're up twenty nothing five minutes from now, I'll always have the beginning of this and how perfect it was, right? And and, and what 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 did we say like
1: right before the game? He said, you know, if we're down less than ten at halftime,
0: yep. we're happy. Yep. Right. Yeah. 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 I saw hey.
2: seven, and I thought like, okay.
0: Exactly, we tweeted out late in the game it was 49-45, and we were like, "Who would not have taken 49-45 at this point, just to be within four this late, right?" Um, but the other thing that I was that I was thinking about with this, scuzz, and it's funny, like this again to wax a little bit romantic, but I mentioned Manchester City earlier and that Aguero goal, and if you'll indulge me, I think like two or three, three or four years ago, I was in Disney World with my family. And we were at a hotel and at a little play area in our hotel where our daughter was like doing some coloring. And there was another family in there. And they had British accents. And I heard that they had British accents. So I asked them, I said, well, where are you guys from? And they said, Manchester. So the guy was about my age. And I saw Manchester. So immediately I was like, United or City? And you ask a guy for Manchester, United or City, regardless of which it is. He asks like he's offended that you even had to ask, right? (laughs) Because it's like the other answer is so wrong. So he looks and he's like, City you know like like city obviously but also kind of impressed that an american would even know to ask right yeah. what do you, who do you what do you think i look like mate <laughs> yeah right so he said city and then i immediately asked him the question that he has no doubt been asked so many times i said were you there and his wife was there and i could see her look on her face was like oh here we go <laughs> <She did. laughs> that like this guy was going to be like, he was about to get taken back to that place that he his heaven will be him reliving that again and again, and he was like, "Oh yes, I was," and he was like, "Here's where I sat, here's how everything went," like literally, he's giving me like a minute by minute blowdown because he'll never forget that moment of his life, and it goes back to that thing about the suffering and the catharsis, and scuzz, I I was thinking about something that Sam and I were talking about um, at Double Clutch Brewing Company with the people we were fortunate enough to meet up with before the game. Um, great that, place, by the by. I mean, yeah. not a sponsor, but
1: that, yeah. that was, that's, a fun, that's a fun little hangout.
0: It was great place, and we had a, a great time. But one of the things that came up was something you and I have talked about, Scuzz, that we kind of revisited almost a little bit on accident, which was if you look at – Scuzz and I came in the fall of 98, and we left in the spring of o two. And if you take the measure of what football and basketball was like over that stretch, Woof. It, it was rough. <laughs> it was, we had two, three and nine football seasons. We had a four and eight football season. We wrote out basically the Kevin O'Neill basketball era. And then the, the smoking crater of that, that Bill Carmody came into, that was our sporting experience. But for, I don't know three, four, five years after we graduated. If people found out we were Northwestern fans, were you there? And they meant fifty-four, fifty-one, yeah. and we got to be like, "Yes, I was. I was there on that field when all the fans were trying to tear down the goalposts that Gary Barnett had, had cemented into the ground that were <laughs> never going to come out, <laughs> drilled, drilled one hundred feet deep." Yeah, uh, and that that that's. Scuzz and i will have that forever and the rest of it just fades into the background the rest of it you just yeah. don't remember you remember fifty four fifty one. you remember victory right yeah. and you carry those things forever and these it's, kids it, will have that
2: yeah they will and that's so that's so awesome um it, it is very interesting to me it, and just as you were describing that john and, and right at the end when you said victory right because the, the two other things that come to mind for me are victory right in minnesota which i was at um and then the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, where where mm. we finally won the bowl game. and got the monkey off, off off our back. That is that is the the Northwestern victory that has elicited tears for me. Um, And I like it's so interesting that that Wither asked that question about in Evanston wins. And this is certainly like. It, if if at the very least, I think it is number two after that fifty four, fifty one football game and if 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 not number two it might be a 1b i mean especially if you're somebody who has like a like a great proclivity or love for basketball over football right um so i like at the very least it's a hell of a moment it's one that's going to sit with anybody who was there for a long long time if not forever to your point john and um god i like the like We've been talking all year about like, hey, everybody, it's gonna be a ride, just enjoy the season, and now it's it's got it's gone to a whole nother level uh that we that again you just we just get to sit back and enjoy like we like i'm I'm gonna knock on wood here, like we should not have to white knuckle the last couple weeks of the season here,
0: yeah, i
1: yeah, and so, something that uh, Dave Ennett was saying in his broadcast, you know, after like we were, like I said, we were hanging out on the field, and they were just sort of wrapping up the broadcast, and you know, Ennett was was saying on WGN, like, you know, we're in good position for a double buy, and then you know, you don't have to squint too hard to see a road to a Big Ten championship, and we were like, whoa, 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 whoa yeah, hold the hold
2: whoa, on, <laughs> whoa, whoa,
0: but but actually, yeah, no. Northwestern's you know? beaten the other four teams at the top of the Big Ten. There are minus
2: uh, minus Iowa.
0: Yeah, minus Iowa. Northwestern has beaten everybody else that is that is up at the top, which is ridiculous to say. But we all know the character of the team, and it's so funny. We've said so many times, if this defense is playing like it can play, and Boo and Chase are hot, we can beat anyone in the country. That's literally what happened in this game. At the end of the game, you had a hot chase and you had a hot boo and you had this defense playing out of its flipping mind. Purdue scored one point in what, like the final three and a half minutes or something like that? I think it was like like a 17-3 to three yeah. finish. Um, they and then it was just unbelievable. I mean, it was just dominance at the end. I was, the defense, there was a play. I mean, I, I still want to kind of rip a gif of it and, and put it up. Barnheiser, who again continues to grow by leaps and bounds, the play he scored his layup on, that was the play that immediately came after Chase's Thunder 3, that, that also just sent the place going absolutely bananas. His play on that series was unbelievable. We talked about Northwestern and the way Northwestern was trying to defend Edie. And you watch, they get, an, they get a dump in to Edie. Brooks comes flying over like a maniac. And it's like this crazy double. And then Edie throws a bad pass out of it that Chase gets a hand on. And then I think Boo intercepts or Barry intercepts and kicks it up. And Barnheiser then sprints the length of the court. And it was just, it's symbolic of the defense that the whole team has played all season from Chase on down. And it was, I mean, you had in the, in the, the closing moments i mean purdue they had that turnover they had nicholson's rip you had purdue just throwing the ball out of bounds to nobody um you're talking about the number one team in the country and we were just in their head you, um you're talking about the number the
2: number one player right. in the country yeah zach yep. edie who had six turnovers in yep. this game um and i just like they did such a good job. I, so this is where I want to pivot to the coaches. Mm-hmm. Um I said yeah. this on Twitter earlier today. I like I I don't necessarily want to speak for you guys. I'm I like I'm not looking past this year yet. I'm not I'm not interested in talking about extensions or anything else. Like I just I'm just not in a place where I want to do anything other than just enjoy and love this team, right? And sure. I say that in part because I, like you guys, was super critical of Collins last season the season before coming into this season. Like, like, like we, we called this season, like one of the most cynical basketball seasons that Northwestern has ever fielded a team. Right. Um, and in, in that light, like, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not going to pendulum swing the other direction. I just, I'm going to, I'm going to take some time and I'm just going to enjoy the season. But the following two things are undeniable. One Collins has rebuilt his staff in an extremely effective manner, and and what I mean by that is Chris Lowry, Bryant McIntosh, and then um, I'm forgetting the name of the dude. Uh, Tyler Battle, yes, Taylor Ty- Battle, t- yeah, Taylor Battle, yes, Taylor, Taylor Battle being yeah. the third one. Um, just an ex- an an exceptional job at bringing in young talent, relevant talent at coach and then transformational talent in Chris Lowry, and the second thing that's undeniable is that this coaching staff like yeah, the guys are playing incredible booze we've talked about booze' consistency and the level that he's gotten to we've talked about chase's two-way play all year we've talked about the emergence of Bar- Barnheiser. we haven't talked much about but we should talk about a little bit like the development of of Nicholson I mean he's he's contributed more than I thought he could um, yeah. after you know seeing him as a true freshman last year and with the with the early departure of, of um, Ryan young. Um, but this coaching staff is coaching their asses off. Oh, and they deserve just a lot of credit for, I mean, the guys deserve a ton of credit for playing. The coaches deserve a ton of credit for coaching their asses off. And they have, they have stuck with the plan. We've talked about how it's been a two man game. They've, they've adjusted late to, to bring Barnheiser in, but the the defense, the defense has been impeccable. And the I the, and we talked about it for like the last five years, this team lacked an identity and they have found one this season and it is paying dividends in the greatest way. And again, I, I, I I'm not here to talk about the future, but like you, you cannot look at the season and not be blown away oh. by the way. The staff has looked at themselves in the mirror and gone back to the drawing board and come up with something incredible and and just in the moment
0: amazing. Yeah. T- completely agree. And yes, have we is there has there been much trepidation, consternation, and and every negative <laughs> thing relative to Chris Collins over the past five years? Absolutely. Right. Is there trepidation yep. about <laughs> the future? Sure, some, right? Yeah. Is Chris Collins the coach of the year? I mean, In the nation, maybe. In the Big Ten, why are we even having this conversation? It's not Uh, even close. He's easily the Big Ten Coach of the Year in a walk. Um, What he has done this season and absolutely in the National Coach of the Year conversation. And that's to Scuzz's point. You got to live within the bubble of this season. You gotta live within what this season is right now and the perfection of the way this team is gelling and coming together and the way all the pieces fit, just like Scuzz said. And the way that this team I mean and and Northwestern fans, I mean, even now, we're all still being like Well, God, if we lost the last six, we'd be eighteen and thirteen, and we'd still have. (laughs) Would it be good enough? Would it be good enough? It's like we're talking about like losing out the last six. This team has seven losses on the season right now, right? And and well,
2: not only not only not only that. This is the first time I can recall in twenty plus years that Northwestern doesn't have a bad loss.
0: And, yeah. and, and they could lose and,
2: all did, six. And have a bad loss. And they could lose all six of the remaining games, and they would still not have a bad loss. People, that has never happened yeah. before.
0: I mean, Ohio State is the closest, but they're still right. quad one. And the yep. cats and the cats for avenged reason, that loss too. And it's like the yep. and there's no other close. I mean, if Penn State absolutely went in the tank, but it's kind of not really possible for Penn State to do that and still beat Northwestern. And everyone else is right in the middle of the conference. Everyone else is right firmly in line for a potential tourney berth. They just need the right games to go their way down the stretch. So, yeah, I mean this team. I mean, and all Jesus, eighteen and seven. We thought this team would go seven and eighteen. I mean, I mean seriously. Yeah. And and even to just to give also just to give credit, right? I mean, yes, trepidation, not putting the cart before the horse. Absolutely, yes. But, I mean, let's give credit to the way this team's friggin' playing right now. As Jay Sharman, yeah. who we watched this game with, mentioned many times, not wrong. If Northwestern is even passable shooting threes in this game, we run Purdue out of the gym. And that yeah. is insane yeah. Yeah. to think about. But, I mean, Chase, poor Chase. I mean, again, shot selection has been so much of his problem and the shot selection has been pretty darn good over the past couple of games and they just weren't hitting the dude was due to get hot again and get hot quote unquote was just the final what five or six minutes of this game like if that dude we've done all this without basically without him having found his stroke in weeks and yeah
1: chase chase was scoreless in right. the first half he ended, he ended up with 15 points, but that was all in the second half. And most of it was, like you said, down the stretch. Three of 12 from three. Like, he shot a lot of threes. He's, and- he
2: scored 10 of the last 20 points scored in the entire game across both right. teams. And wow. then you've
0: got, you've got two. You've got a guy like Matt Nicholson, right? At The start of this season, we were like, well, Northwestern's problem is going to be against other teams' bigs. Because Northwestern doesn't have experienced bigs. They lost Ryan Young. They lost Pete Nance and stuff. Matt Nicholson's walking around being like, I just went toe-to-toe with Zach Eady for an entire game. And so is, and so is Titus Verhoeven, And they're like, what are you going to show us that's better than what that guy brought to the table? Nothing. So, like, those guys have that. And you've got Barry and you've got Barnheiser who are being like, I just played my ass off on both ends of the floor and hit big shots. And they both hit big shots. Big buckets and big free throws late. Both of those guys. And they're like... Well, I've you're not whatever you're showing me is not better than what I saw in that game. So it's like let's give this team credit for like the way that they're gonna build off of that, right? I mean Scuzz has talked a bunch of times about you know, talking about the next big game on tap, right? It's at home, it's gonna be a frigging lunatic house uh for that game <laughs> and Wait, Wednesday, Wednesday night IU yeah Wednesday right? night IU yeah and as Scuzz has mentioned multiple times and it was true the first time we played them they're a good matchup for us uh right i mean like you've you've mentioned that before
2: yeah yeah they're not they're not like a a, a dominant physical team they're not a team that like tries like attacks you in the way that a Purdue or or a, or an Ohio State does um uh, Trace Jackson is a really good player, but is, is not the type of physical player that has given Northwestern fits. Um, I'm not, like, I, I almost can't say this stuff anymore after what they just did to Edie. Cause they just showed they can handle that type of guy. But like you go back to the first Ohio state loss, you look at the, at the Michigan games, like that, that physicality has been uh, a, a challenge for them and it's not how Indiana plays. Um, I mean, Miller Cop has played Northwestern twice since he transferred, and he's looked really bad both times. And that's not to take a shot at Miller Cop. It's just to be like I like Northwestern has I think the upper hand in, in this in this upcoming game in some ways. Um so I like on the other side of that coin, I think the following game against Iowa, the following weekend is as close to a sure loss as there is on the rest of our calendar. I just think it's a horrible matchup for us. We'll see. We'll see. I just I just feel like that team can can, can attack our depth in a way that is, um, very unique. So I, you know, we'll just, we'll see how it plays out though. Live in the, live in the bubble. As John said, just enjoy this ride. I mean,
0: I, I come out of that game being like Welsh Ryan is the death star right now. So I'm like, if it's going to be like that for these two games, all bets are off. I'm just like,
2: let's, let's live up to the 1998 moniker toughest. 94 feet in the big 10. Absolutely bring bring it people let's 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 bring it back
0: absolutely and all you fans i mean my hope is that every i mean so it's like we again we watched with jay sharman and again i i a lot of you who are listening who are core listeners or maybe go back a long way have had the privilege at some point in your life of experiencing a northwestern sporting event with jay sharman i i only wish you all had the opportunity to do it um there is not a uh, uh, there yeah. is not a person who bleeds purple more and loves the school more and loves the athletic department more than Jay Sharman. There's there literally
2: and puts and puts and puts more oh, into
0: it. it. The dude like, is the dude has put and has the receipts to show it his soul into the game. And what he's done, I mean from the website to like the you know the email server that he runs and all the organizational stuff he's I mean but it's just you're with him and you you just feel it. You feel the the energy and and just the the love and the feeling and everything. And we were watching with Jay, and Jay, like a hawk, was going because he has been so on as as we have, but everybody. But Jay is like, no student ever turned away, you know. Being like, no fan, there should not be a single empty seat. So I mean. Jay's looking down at like the you know the the lower levels, the front rows, and being like, "What are all those empty seats? What are those empty seats?" And even we're looking, being like, "Stadium looks pretty damn full right now." <laughs> like I can't say, <laughs> being like, being like, and and actually on on that point, I, w- I want to
1: shout out like the going to the black gothics, black wearing black and gold on a day where the team coming in is black and gold. Made it look on TV like the entire stadium was black. Kind of genius. You could not. You could not tell that it was a fifty-fifty crowd if you were not. You're you right in there. You're right.
0: It was brilliant. It was brilliant, pretty brilliant. And I mean, and again, I mean, it all worked. Out, and because again, audio-wise, it felt that way too for the whole second half. I mean, it was right. It looked and felt like a single body, all united. And so, I mean, Jay was pointing, but I mean, our our feeling to that was like, I mean awesome that you know he's looking to be like how how can we fill how can we literally get 100% capacity in here our main thing is look we don't want to ever hear about a student being turned away right and as long as all the students are getting in and again i don't we haven't talked with anybody we haven't gotten a flurry of dms from people being like i wasn't able to get in if let's put it this way if that what we saw was not all the students then my god what is the potential because i i mean the amount of students. And again, just, just if the students show out again like that in the next two home games, again, all bets are off. I mean, it was... it was, And it wasn't just the numbers. Because we talked at a little point, I mean, there was a game, I don't know, a couple weeks back where the first time you had mega capacity. And you definitely had a couple students where you could tell it was like, maybe their first rodeo and they were still trying to calibrate exactly. this This group was... Bloodthirsty, um, really, really, really strong, strong grasp of the West Lafayette police blotter. I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> uh, and they were they were dialed in. They were they were wild. They were crazy. And again, if if that group shows up against Indiana, I mean, buckle up.
1: Yeah, I mean. I, I'm still trying to put it put it into words. I mean, I'm still trying to... Like, it's been more than 24 hours. My voice is just now back to normal and, you know, still not 100% after, you know, screening my head off in that game. But, like, to try to put it in context and just try to, like, fit this into my entire experience as a Northwestern fan... like it's going to take longer than 24 hours for me to like really come up with the words to to do that. It was, it was incredible. It was an amazing experience and I am so grateful that I was that able to be there. Um. So Jay, thank you for putting it all together. Tom, thank you so much for putting it all together. North oh my and God. Northwestern just- and
0: Northwestern. Thank you for, for coming through for us in the way that you did. Not just that, but I mean, ticketing. I mean, again, we're, we're fortunate to know some of the people over in tickets and have gotten to meet them. Uh, you know, some through like the softball stuff we were involved in last year and some other stuff and great people. But then again, it was like, we get it. Things are crazy. The craziness that's going on, all the things, everyone's trying to work things out. It hasn't always gone perfectly. But I mean, they they delivered. I mean, they they delivered for us that day but they delivered for everyone that day. And the result was, I mean, again, it's the promotional materials that are going to come out of that game and that environment um, are going to last forever. And it, its it was, yeah, I know. It's difficult to put into words what that was like to be there and experience that.
2: Well, I'll just, I'll shout it out one more time. I've been doing it on Twitter. If you're a season ticket holder, if you are unable to make a home game and you are willing to directly contribute to making Welsh Ryan arena, the toughest 94 feet in the big 10 reach out to us and we will help find some rabid Northwestern students to sit in your seats. It will not be hard. Have a
1: line. We, we have a line of, of students who are very interested in, you know, any, uh, any, any extra tickets that are out there. Yeah, it'll
2: not um, be freaking hard for us to do that.
1: <laughs> I. Anything so, else? I mean, I,
0: I, we'd be remiss. Like, I, we got to talk about. I was football about to too. say. We've like, been, we've, we've gone over an hour, and we haven't even covered all the top ten upsets that happened this weekend in the Northwestern sporting universe, which is ludicrous, uh, but. Yeah, I mean just, just
1: real quick, I mean Sydney Supley with the uh, Westlaw Pirates bump. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's right, it was all us.
0: <laughs> oh oh yeah, man. God. Yeah, I mean she was
2: Uh
1: but but yeah,
0: uh, cats knocking off Texas. It,
2: Supley with the wind. It was
0: a it was a wild yeah. weekend. So I mean it was It was peaks and valleys for the team. And valleys, I mean, relatively speaking. I mean, basically what happened was they had this unbelievable Friday where they played South Alabama. The offense was kind of slow arriving to the season, as it were. And they were trailing um, late, I think, down one... I forget what it was. They were trailing maybe one or two runs as late as the fifth inning... And then the cat bat showed up and Rudd had, they loaded the bases. Rudd had a monster triple. They jumped right back into it and then gave up a couple runs. Um, and Northwestern, you could tell was kind of trying to take the coach. Droyan was clearly trying to take the long view of the weekend and got Danielle Williams out of there. And, um, Cammy Henry came in, um, in kind of a little bit of a, of a kind of a rough spot, gave up some runs then, and again, she's the transfer for DePa. Then really settled down and was really solid after that. And then the cats went on this crazy. If you know, if you know this team, you know what they're about. You know the heart and soul of this softball team. They put a seventh inning run together, and they they got a win. It
2: was five four going into the yep. seventh. South Alabama leading and Northwestern plated yep. four. To win it eight. was
0: awesome, and they and that was the appetizer because the second game was an absolute knockdown drag out. Unbelievable. Barn Bar- burner. An absolute barn burner that, like you said, started, it was the, and, and the, I mean, Northwestern scored 10 runs. It was crazy. You saw, um, all, you know, the names, you know, and love, I mean, stepping up. I mean, it was Angela Zedek hitting a bomb to start things off. Um, I mean Mave Jacks right, Mave Skyler. But then you saw like Kelsey Nader, one of these big time freshmen stepping up. She reached base four times, had a massive hit, uh, late um in the in the seventh inning, or the, the bottom of the sixth, I should say. Um, so it was it was offense from everywhere. And then yeah, Supley came on in a rough situation with a couple batters on, and immediately those batters got in, those were Earned runs not for her, and then she gave up. I think what in the next four four and a half innings she gave up two runs and two two runs over five innings pitched. Two earned runs, five innings pitched, and was rock solid. And again, she is. This was you know I think we were saying I was reading Noah Kaufman, friend of the pod, and has broadcast tons of Northwestern softball games, and he was saying probably the biggest moment of her career. And again, you know, Sydney could tell us, you know, on her own whether or not that's true or not. Obviously, this is someone who struck out Jocelyn Allo in the College World Series, but this is against the number six team in the country, and she she locked it down and she did enough, and she was on the mound at the end and got that got that pop out to end it, and it was it was phenomenal. And so that's how the weekend started. Then things got a little squirrely because. Effectively, what happened was rain was it's a Florida tournament, rain was on the forecast. Rain had the effect of bumping up the schedule the very next day, and the Cats had this really short turnaround um, against Missouri the next day. And then things, you know, it was just a really short turnaround off that crazy high. Their bats just didn't show up in that game. They lost what was it, six nothing, I think.
2: Yeah, 6 1, and then didn't
0: have the chance to get back on track because the St. John's game got rained out. So they showed up again and then had that other massive game that happened Sunday morning. That, you know, unfortunately, you know, I wish it would have been on TV, but we were out and about, you know, going to meeting up with people at Double Clutch and didn't get to follow it in. But the short of that one, I mean, they had another monster matchup with a ranked team in Tennessee. They put a ton of runners on. They stranded a bunch of runners, couldn't quite get them home. And meanwhile, Cammie Henry was on the mound and pitched an awesome game. Um, and basically I think she had, she'd given up two runs going into the uh, the sixth. sixth. And then they finally got to her yeah. in the sixth and the cats just never were able to, you know, they just were never able to bring those runs home. They put runners on home and, and they ended up getting the six, nothing loss. So Peaks and, you know, to an extent, valleys. But I think the main thing we're all taking out of that weekend is the, first of all, just how crazy Texas was. But uh, for me, it was the excitement of seeing players like Nader, you know, showing up and immediately you're looking and being like, oh my God, that, she's awesome. We get four years of her. Okay. Um, And, you know, yeah.
2: For me, it was um, some of the things that, that Sydney talked to us about. Uh, on last week's pod and that was specifically like the mentality of the team going into this season and just like the way they approached last year of we we don't care what anybody else is saying about us good or bad we believe we can win every game and we have this belief in each other this friendship wins mentality and we are just attacking every like we're, we're not an offensive team we're not a defensive team we're not a pitching team like we are going to be excellent and, and championship level at everything and attack everything. We're going to relish the opportunity to play these big time teams. Pressure is a privilege was just like a freaking 10 out of 10 comment from Sydney. Um, And like you saw that on display in spades on Friday. And obviously Saturday was weird. Um, The game against Sunday that John just game on Sunday against Tennessee that John just described like, but, but, what was so epic and fun about this team last year that they are never out of it. They're going to bring everything they possibly have all weekend long, all season long. Um, just gear up for what is good, What, what is going to be a fun and fantastic year? I like, I'm not saying they're going to go back to the world series, but I'm just saying this team is going to be, you're going to love following this team. So get on board and jump in.
1: And uh, you know this upcoming weekend, uh, heading down to Clemson uh, for two against Clemson and two against Notre Dame uh, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So you know another road trip, heading down to uh, to somewhere warm, and you know see what happens and uh, try to get back on the on the winning side. Uh, anything else to mention? I mean, like like I said, I. My mind is out of it tonight. I mean, it, it's been it's been an incredible twenty four hours. So, uh, anything else to, to mention before we go?
2: Were there any Northwestern players in the Super Bowl? I feel like the answer is no. because um, I mean, in the past with Chiefs, we've been all excited about about Kafka. Kafka Obviously, he's, he's not he's there anymore. Not
0: there. Um, no, I I'm, don't think so. so. The one other thing I would I, I did want to bring up and and. 've we've, we've been guilty of it a, a little bit although I mean it's it's crazy because we're we're we've got a lot of irons in the fire and and in the case of softball in particular we just have a long relationship with the team going back to tailgating and and the magical last season. Lacrosse is is has started up also um, and they started up in absolutely insane fashion last weekend um, at Syracuse losing 15-16. Um, which was an absolute shootout, you know. Again, that's two of your top five teams in the country, and again, it's the ultimate thing is is less the loss and more that you had names like so Madison Taylor coming out and and putting up five goals, but guess who's back? Izzy Skane's back, and she had five goals in her first. Um, Oh, right back so i mean it's like you forgot that that whole season last season that unbelievable run that they had was done without one of the very best players in the country and now she's back and she's gonna be back with a vengeance so that's yet another exciting thing we're gonna get to be following as things start to ramp up here
2: i swear to god that has been on my list to do of like Oh yeah, check the little sc- lacrosse sketch. I was literally thinking it earlier today, and sure enough, they've already played played a game. Well, we will we will obviously dig in on the on the lac squad. Um, I mean, they started the year very highly ranked. Uh, I, be- I believe they're top ten. Um, you know, they have a rough, tough slate as as always they do. But um, that'll be uh, that'll be really fun to follow as the as the spring wears on as well. Uh,
1: well, on that note, um, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlawpirates. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us, the Westlaw of Ryan Field, flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John John and Eric Skasbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.